take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. So one of the most misunderstood things, I think, when it comes to our body and our health and our mental health is the, the connection between how we feel physically and mentally. And we don't really talk about it a whole lot. We just kind of pop our pharmaceuticals and try to feel better. So hoping to break down some of that conversation today by welcoming uh, my new friend here, Danny Shapiro. Welcome. Thank you so much for, for joining me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me, Ryan. Um, uh, physical therapist. Today. Yeah, physical therapist. Uh, you're, in, you're in New York? Yeah, Brooklyn, New York. Yep. Oh, wow. How's, uh, how's uh, COVID been there? Because New York got pretty, uh, they got hit pretty much one of the hardest in, in North yeah. America. Yeah, we got pummeled pretty hard. It was uh, in the beginning, like end of March, beginning of April. That's when um, shit hit the fan, Yeah. <laughs> uh, to put it lightly. Um, it was bad. It was real bad. Um, I actually, like, I'm considered an, an essential worker. Right. But even just to make sure nobody has to take any public transportation, no Ubers, nothing. Um, I actually closed down my office for about like, my physical office for about a month and a half. Uh, and transferred everything to like virtual care. Um, but yeah, it was bad. It was, it was real bad. Thankfully yeah. it's a lot better. Like, you know, I, I myself have visited the city a few times already and it's so much better, but it was yeah, bad. It's good to hear. And I'm glad that uh, you're back to work and the office is open because one of the biggest things to come out of this is, you know, a lot of us are, are working from home now. And yep. uh, you know, I think a lot of our companies have spent quite a bit of money, whether that's in America or here in Canada on, you know, ergonomics and, and making sure the office and the workplace is the best you, you know, the giving you the best kind of way to work without getting too much pain. But now we're all working from home. And I know myself, I have this crappy ass chair or I sit on the couch where my back is all conjointed. And um, I was just at my physical therapist on uh, Tuesday getting some work done. And, and we were talking about that and how many people an hour are coming in with pain. We're going to get to all that. But the first thing I kind of wanted to start it, start with, and I was listening to your interview with uh, my good friend, Tall Paul, who uh, another episode uh, previously on here, you're talking about the connection between mental health and physical health. And I think that is something that's really overlooked, like I mentioned off the top. You know, in your experience, how much does someone's pain or discomfort or, or chronic issues, you know, your patient's how does that how do they come in mentally how much does that really affect them so of course everyone is very different right, right? everyone displays emotion differently everyone goes through injuries and life events very differently um, however even in the best situations or the worst situations right the, the mental health of the person coming in to seek physical help is extremely crucial you cannot purely address the physical and ignore the mental and expect a positive outcome right? When, when someone gets injured to the point where you no longer can do a certain activity without suffering pain or without jerking from a movement, because it's like, as soon as you get somewhere, it's like, oh God, that hurts, right? So it, it messes with you on a, on a daily basis. Pain doesn't just appear and disappear within a second, right? So it literally impacts your life. And when pain impacts your life to, to the point where you need to make adjustments and make changes to your daily routines, your social outings, um, even how you how you deal with your own family, and it, it just 
it brings it really brings you down and and i'm not going to pretend like i know what everyone's going through but i myself have been through a very serious injury seven years ago mm. and i just keep remembering what that felt like and that's how i kind of connect with all the people that i help is that i just remember what that felt like and try to really get into the connection with the person that's seeking my help because the mental health to treat the physical pain you again you cannot treat one without the other mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen if someone has a negative outlook on how their how their treatment is going how they're feeling how their day is going the pain is going to have little to minimal improvements right i you know i was always under the the like uh interpretation that a physical therapist was kind of there i mean like athletes had it um but it was more for people who sustain like kind of severe injuries, whether that's a sporting accident or or a car accident or or something like that, right? More of like a a rehab until I actually started going and and going more for a maintenance thing. Would you say in your experience, because I think, you know, I, I don't know a lot of people who visit a physical therapist. Do people who come to see you, is it like, I guess kind of like a last resort? Like, are you, are people coming in aside from athletes that are just like, I'm in so much pain, I'm devastated, I have nowhere else to turn? Or like, am I kind of wrong in my interpretation of what a physical therapist is? There's a, there are actually a lot of people who come in and understand uh, what physical therapy actually does. Right. So from just to just address like people who are, let's say people who are good, right, or people who have had an injury but recovered and I have a lot of people who have gone through that route where we started therapy, we've re- we got to that recovery point, like we feel good, they can get back to doing whatever it is that they need to do, but they still come in once every two weeks, once every three weeks for maintenance work, just to make sure that they got good, but stay good. Yeah. Right. So I have a lot of people who do that. Um, but physical therapy is, it shouldn't be treated as a last resort, it should be treated as a first resort. Right. When you're experiencing pain, Right. As long as it's nothing like internal, like something with the organs or something with the heart. Right. Obviously, those things are very different uh, and you need to see, a, a, you know, an MD, a cardiologist, etc. But if you're dealing with pain because of some kind of injury, PT should be the first thing on your mind. We're the ones who get you back, not the doctors who prescribe you pain pills, Advil, paracetamol uh, and tell you just to rest and take it easy. No, that's actually the, the wrong approach to dealing with injuries. So we should really be the first resort when something something happens, whether it's a back back injury, a shoulder injury, or a thumb that's causing you pain and you can't lift weights or mm. do push-ups, right? Physical therapy is an all-encompassing approach to, to the body. We are the anatomical masters, right? We make sure that you function properly on a daily basis. It's funny, however, though, that you mentioned the, like the phrase, the last resort, because a lot of the people that I work with, I work with a ton of athletes, of course, but I also mm-hmm. work with people who are not athletes. And I am actually their last resort because they've been to doctors, they've been to other PT offices. I've, I've had people who've cycled through three, four, seven physical therapy offices before they're like, all right, Danny, no one else was able to help me. You're literally like, this is it. I, I came to you because I saw what you did. I saw how it was a referral. Um, you are literally my last stop. If this does not work, I'm looking at pain pills for the rest of my life, surgical procedures, and just misery. Meanwhile, these people have like 40 plus years, 50 years, 60 years left of life, and this is how they're looking at it, right? I had, I had a, 
20, 26 year old, 27 year old rather, come in and he's had a lot of pain, full body pain. And he's been to, again, like four different physical therapists. That's me. <laughs> and he was told he can't lift his arms over his head and he can't do anything. And it's like, dude, you have another like 70, 80, 90 years to go. And I, I don't understand that, right? Yeah. Um, and it just, problems weren't addressed. So things like that, like I've, I have people who come to me as their last resort because the other resorts were supposed to be a first resort did not work out. Right. And I, I think, I think to the opioid crisis right now, and I think, you know, a physical therapist and all this really could have mitigated some of this disaster when, you know, in Canada, but especially in America, that doctors were over prescribing, you know, fentanyl and, and uh, oxys and, and opioids to, to help treat pain, whether it was just a pain in the back you know, like your shoulder was sore, right? You were, you were getting this. And I think that's everyone's, that's most people, at least in my experience, like the first thing that happens when they experience some sort of pain or, or something wrong in their body, it's go to the doctor. It's not, it's not go get a massage. It's not go see a, you know, if you believe in chiropractor or a physical therapist, right? Like none of those options seem, it's I'll go see the doctor and then if I need something else, they're going to, they're going to point me to it. They're going to point me to the physical therapist if I need it. Is that, is that kind of like with your clients, at least like that kind of like the, the road that people always try to go on? Um, typically. Yeah. Uh, and look at the, at the end of the day, I would always rather someone go to their doctor first, just to, okay. just in case, just in case back, because back pain can also not be back pain and can actually also still be internal. You can have problems with, with certain organs or certain uh, body parts that presents as back pain, but is actually something else entirely. So I'd always prefer uh, someone goes to the doctor just to be on the safe side. Gotcha. Hmm. However, the issue arises when they get to the doctor, right? So if once they arrive to the doctor's office, the doctor's like, okay, there's no internal issues, but you know, the back pain is, seems like it's a muscular issue. Uh, then the advice is, all right, take Advil three times a day for the next three weeks right? Or go to uh, this physical therapy place that is associated with my office, because that's where I send everybody. And it's just like, it's like a, it's like a mill. It's like a PT mill. That's what, mm -hmm. that's what we call these places where there's like 20 beds in a room. Everyone's just, it's just a mill. Everyone's given the same things. Everyone's given the hot packs, the cold packs, the electrotherapy for no reason. Um, and it's just literally a PT mill. So that's where I have the biggest issue, right? I, I like that they go to the doctor just to be on the safe side, but then the road to recovery, a lot of times is you get off the beaten path instead of following the right path to feeling how you want to feel. And instead of being there in four months, you know, being there in a few weeks. <laughs> right. And it doesn't, like taking Advil and naproxen, I don't know. For me, like, I don't find any of that stuff helps. The only thing that really helps is that, that hands-on kind of therapy. And it always worries me to like take a bunch of Advil for a, a long amount of time. It just, you know, that it's kind of like everything we do in society where it's reactive and you just, you're trying to, to not get ahead of what's ever going on. It just kind of numbs it and puts a bandaid over it, but it never gets better. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious cause I've been to a couple you know, you were talking about a 27 year old who has like chronic pain and that's kind of me. I, I, I was never like a professional athlete, but like I was a high level athlete and I for sure did not take care of my body. I was a hockey player and a goalie and I would play three, four, five hours sometimes a day. 
without stretching, without working out, without taking care of my diet, like all this stuff. And I just feel like I've wrecked my body, my hips, my groin, my back. Like I'm always just kind of in like a dull pain. And when you, now, now that I'm older, my biggest fear is that I'm going to grow old and all this pain is going to catch up to me. And I'm going to be like this crippled, shriveled up old man. And I've, I've been to a couple different things now and I've had kind of manual work done where they're stretching me and moving me around. I've had more, I've, I, I just had cupping done, dry needling. In your experience, and I know every, every therapist is different, has a different belief, you know, what kind of path do you follow? Is it a little bit of both? Are you more interested in like certain exercises and stretching to, to work the muscles? Are you more like of those kind of different types of therapies? What's kind of your approach to, to helping people? And I, I understand it would be different for everybody given their pain. Yeah. Um, look, I, I honestly think that movement is king, right? Movement above everything else is really the key to making sure that, you know, your body stays healthy. Uh, in, in a society where we do mostly sitting, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's a desk job, now everyone's been working from home, right? We're, we're lacking in movement. We are movement creatures, right? We're meant to run around, move around, uh, you know, we're meant to run the planes, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. we're, not, we're not doing that so much. So we, you can't have therapy, no matter whether it's virtual therapy, which I, I for example, like I provide as well. I have people who I work with who are hundreds of miles away that I physically can't touch because they cannot come to the office. And yet we start and finish a plan of care and they feel fantastic afterwards, mm. right? So whether it's in-person in therapy or virtual therapy, movement needs to be incorporated into a plan of care, into maintaining your body as it is. Even you yourself who said, you know, you're concerned you're going to grow up, grow older to be like some crippled. That doesn't have to be the case, right? Not at all. So I'll give you a perfect example of my own brother. So a few years back, he sneezed and blew out three discs. Oh, my God. <laughs> sneezed. Of course, there was a lot of things going up to that point. Right? Right. Obviously, it doesn't just happen just uh, like that. Usually, there's a buildup of uh, different kind of things that can happen. But um, he sneezed, and he blew out three discs to the point of needing surgery, almost. Like, his options with these are was either surgery or risking the conservative route. Thankfully he risked the conservative route and I was actually the one to rehab him, right? Pre-COVID, he was already planning to go snowboarding. He was planning to go, uh, he, he just got married. So he was planning to go like hike the Alaskan glaciers, mm. right? From being not able to walk, literally being on the couch for three weeks straight, he was a pretty well-built guy, lost all of his muscle to now being able to work out and was planning to make all these big trips. Um, and not succumbing to the fact that I'm in pain, does that mean I have to stay this way? No, it doesn't, right? So to loop back around to what you asked me, if you involve movement into therapy or into your daily life, there's no reason why you should be some crippled version of yourself, right? You should be always, you, should, you will be the best version of yourself as long as you maintain this movement. Even myself, I have a daily routine in the morning, midday, and evening of every single day. Right. I, I was in pain seven years ago. I never want to experience that again. 
that was horrible. Very true. Like physically, mentally, it was the worst. Just absolutely, I was in my lowest point. I just, I thought that was it. Right. Being a, I was a competitive ballroom dancer prior to physical therapy. I was doing that for 16 years. Being going from moving and, and competing in internationally to not being able to take a step was so soul crushing to me. And I never want to experience that again. So I, I move every single day. Mm-hmm. I lo- and I love that you, you bring that up. I heard you mention that with Paul in your, in your chat. I was like, oh, that's dope. Um, you know, <laughs> I, Thank you. I have an appreciation for, for dancing. It's more newfound, especially from like Instagram and like watching people dance and how actually physically demanding and, and hard that is. So that's, that's really cool for, you know, it, it sounds, it sounds like wrong to say, but like a guy just like openly just saying that, right. Like we're still at a point in society where, you know, that's quote unquote, not cool or, or, you know, whatever you might get judged for it. But I think that's, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious. So you said you, you have uh, some routine like three times a day, and I assume that's on top of your, your normal exercise routine. Yes. How, how long do you like do these, this routine throughout the day? And like, what types of things are you, are you doing to, to move and, and help prevent pain from coming back? So it varies on the day in terms of like what I do for the routine, but no more than 15 minutes like in terms of just strictly the mobility routine that, and that's if I take my time, like if I take my time, it's like 15 minutes. Right. And it's just going from head to toe, right. Upon waking up, you're in a position for, even if you sleep for four hours a day, you're still in one position for four hours a day. Right. Um, And if eight hours, then even more so obviously. So in the morning, you're going to be at your stiffest, just, that, that, that's just what it is, right? Anytime you say you stay in a sustained position for an extended period of time, you're going to be at your stiffest. So in the morning, I wake up and just do head to toe mobility. Just go, just go through different moves of getting each of my joints moving, everything, get the blood flowing. Uh, and it's like, it's as if you were never still, right? Well, after that routine, I feel so good, so pumped up, the energy levels are high. And just to finish off the whole like mobility routine, I just do 10 quick push-ups and that's it. Mm. Right. And then I continue on with my day and I try to do the same thing in the middle of the day. And then at the end of the day, where after the whole day of movement and everything else, this is just a nice little relaxer for the body right before you go to sleep. Again, get the blood flow moving through everything and then have a great night's sleep. Mm. Um, and this is what I recommend to all the people that I work with. Right. Everyone who I work with, I give them a set routine for what they came in for. And for example, I had someone just mention uh, yesterday, they came in for the first time, they had terrible pain. They were being ignored for, with their pain. They were, the pain wasn't being addressed. And we obviously addressed it, felt better. And then she did the routine in the evening right before bed. And actually this morning I got a message. She goes, Danny, I haven't slept this well in like six months. Right? Uninterrupted sleep. No pain during sleep. No waking up. Which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Imagine That's not what being you hear. sleep for six months. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what you want to hear, right? In in your line of work, that that the treatment's yeah. working. Absolutely. Uh, and how often, like, I think to myself that like so many people don't take mobility work and stretching seriously. Um, you know, it's people are like, it's well, it's good enough that I'm exercising. You know, like is that not enough? Like all the the it's so overlooked. 
and you know, I know for myself, like I'm, I'm a serious bad example of it. Like I just, I never want to do it. It's like kind of like that. You know, it hurts. <laughs> it, uh, it's not, it's not fun. It's not lifting like big weights or, or getting stronger, right? Like it's, it's the little things we never want to do, and it, it always gets overlooked. Well, let me put it to you this way: uh, Do you want to get stronger? Yep. Do you want to be able to live through life and not have to be in pain? Yep. Do you want to get to 80 and feel like you're 50? Yep. <laughs> okay. So there we go. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if these are things that you want, I mean, this is the long-term game, right? Like I'm doing my routine, not because I'm in pain right now, but because that I know if I do this now, I'm going to be happier later. And I love, I also, I love, I love training. I want to stay, I want to continue to train. I want to know that if I hit a bump in the road, my back's not going to fly out. I want to know that if I decide to play basketball at 40, that I can do so. If I lift my kids up in the future, I don't have any now, but in the future, if I decide to lift up my kids, like I don't have to be worried about my shoulders, my neck, anything happening. I want to, I'm, it's like an investment, right? Mm. People who make investments into stock market, people who make investments into real estate, they're, they're more for the long-term gain. Obviously there are short trades or whatever, but it's, it's long-term investments, right? Think of this as a long-term investment into your body, into your health, right? If you want to avoid the pitfalls, if you want to avoid injury, if you want to avoid just honestly feeling like shit and having that mental drain of like, I can't walk or I can't, I can't wipe the table. I can't reach for a handshake to, to say hi to my friends. If you want to avoid all that misery, that mental sluggishness, that, that like dark hole that you feel like you can't get out of, and be in pain for weeks. Invest 15 minutes. Don't put it to me like that. Don't make it sound so logical. <laughs> Don't like that. Um, no, it's so it's it's so it's funny because it's it's true, and I think a majority of people realize that. And I I don't know. I don't know why I can never get over the mental hurdle of actually sitting down and doing it. It's uh it's frustrating. It's frustrating for me. <laughs> Well, honestly, it. you're creating a new habit, right? It's like creating yeah. a new habit. And, and habits are incredibly hard to start. And it's just the little things, right? So even if, let's say, Ryan, even if you were to just start right now and do 90 seconds of like a neck stretch, just going around the circle with your neck, just 90 seconds a day, eventually that would cascade into more of a, more of a routine. Mm. right it's very hard to start something new and especially do it for like a like saying okay going from no working out to saying okay i'm going to work out five days a week an hour each time that's gonna be very hard to do mm. <laughs> that's gonna be, and to hard to sustain as well so right. yeah you need to approach it as just a little step step by step and and i'm still learning how to create new habits even right now yeah because uh, again i know that my mentality and my physical like physical health will be thankful for it yeah so yeah, that's a good point. We all, everyone always tries to go so big, so fast. And that's a great point because that's me, right? Like, okay, I'm going to sit there and stretch for 15 minutes today. And like five minutes and I'm like, man, this sucks. I'm not, I'm not, and then you just stop doing it. It happens to so many people. This is why, you know, you get the January rush of people going to the gym and then by February, everyone's gone. I mean, this is yeah. pre COVID right now. I mean, but yeah. people are, or I'm going to work out five days a week for an hour a day. And after two weeks, they're like, this shit's hard. And then they like, just, they stop. So uh, we'll use me as an example, you know, 
starting to today, I'm going to do one, two, three things that are, are just going to help start uh, this, this mobility, you know, getting looser, stretching routine. What would be, you know, just one, two, three things that would be like a great start for people to, to at least start them on the path to, to getting better at that, these sorts of things. So the, the simpler the movement, right? If, if I, like, I, I can definitely, I'm going to show you in a moment, just quick few things to, to try. The key to it is finding the things that feel really good, right? So if mm. I'm going to give you a stretch right now and it's going to feel really good, you're more likely to do it. Right. right? So the less complicated it is, the, the more of a chance uh, it is that you'll do it. So for example, you know, we're both, we're both sitting, right? Mm -hmm. So if you take your hands, put them behind your head. I'm going to do right? it. Let's do it. Now watch, I'm gonna dip down to the side here. I mean, it's like a side crunch, right? So you're gonna drive the elbow upwards and drive the other elbow downwards and try to go until you feel a nice stretch through the side. Going off the mic, it's okay. <laughs> and go the, go the other way. So like, I don't know about you, but this feels really, like this feels yeah. great. It's just opening up your sides. Um, and this is actually a great move for people who like are experiencing some tightness or pain in the back. Because this literally just opens up, literally opens up the spinal segments, literally stretches out the muscles that we seldom use because we're always sitting or moving in a forwards and backwards movements, right? We're missing rotation in our lives. We're missing side bending oh, yeah. in our lives. We, didn't, we don't do these movements on a daily basis. And yeah. we need to. That's a good point. Right? Yeah. Even just rotating the neck, you know, for it to just dip down to the side and just look up towards the ceiling. And then back down Ooh. towards our armpits, bringing the chin down. Oh, baby. I hope yeah, everyone's doing is. this too that's listening. <laughs> right? So just rotate oh. between these two positions, nice and easy, just really gently. You can't hear it, but my neck is snapping. <laughs> Painless though, right? It doesn't hurt, but it's a nice stretch. Exactly. Yeah, so snapping, okay. popping, shifting, that's all normal sensations as long as it's painless. But that's another example of just moving the neck in a way that we don't really, majority of people don't move it in, but need to, because there are muscles that do these movements, right? And if we mm -hmm. don't get them to move around, they get really stuck and really stiff, which does right. you a disservice, uh, disservice and it just, you know, it just tightens up the whole thing and it does not feel good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and especially in the like you said the sedentary lifestyle that we we all live in um i don't know how many times i see people uh you know even myself with that that neck tilt now from always looking down at our computers yeah. or, or being on our phone like right like you you see it like perfectly where like the shoulders are hunched and the necks forward and like at, at this rate like this is going to be a normal point of human evolution <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a little worrisome. Uh, you know, I actually even noticed it myself because, I, like I mentioned, I'm doing a lot of virtual care now as well, mm -hmm. um, more so before because things are now opened up more. But I even noticed myself from the side profile, I was like this. I was like, whoa, whoa, let's take a step back. Let's pull, let's pull that yeah. in. Um, you know, yeah, in and up. up. The double chin. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, but that stretches out all those muscles that cramp up. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely now more than ever need to make sure that we address mobility and get, just get moving. I can't tell you how many people like have called me, uh, called my office saying I have pain when I ask since when, 
and they say right beginning of COVID, mm. right when everybody started sitting more, right when everybody started walking 15 feet from the bedroom to the couch to the bathroom, and that's it. Yeah. Right. What What do we do? Right. And going looping back to the mental mental health. Right. We are already through COVID under a lot of mental strain. Right. Not being able to go out and socialize. Right. Just like we are movement creatures, we are also socializing creatures. No matter how introverted you may be, we are meant to socialize. Right. A lot of people have had anxiety and stress because they weren't able to do that. And it, that also affects you in a lot of ways. Right. Whether it's tightening and pressure in your chest or tightening in your neck because you're constantly stressed out. Um, just the simple before anything actually happens. Just that alone is so hard. It is so difficult. And then when you mix in pain on top of that, it just makes it so much worse. Right. And again, why mental health and physical health go so well together. This, this is why our mentality affects our body so much. And so many people fail to just bring it together. And it frustrates me like to no end. I'm trying to Trying to keep it clean here, but you go off. I told you that you you want to go on a rant, please. (laughs) No, it's just super frustrating. It's just super frustrating to hear you know people who've had such a negative experience with doctors, people who felt like they haven't been given a choice. It's just so frustrating Mm -hmm. because most of the time there is another choice, right? Even if you can only take off fifteen percent of someone's pain because it's just whatever they have. It's maybe a particular condition whatever it may be but if you can take off 15 percent that can literally mean the world to somebody but you have to be willing to address that 15 percent even when somebody comes in with the worst thing possible is there is there no way you can help them whether through a conversation assurance right giving them something new to try right and these things it just it's so freaking frustrating because i hear this all the time mm-hmm. like on a weekly basis, if not a daily, just people who have been mistreated, people who have been let down, people who felt like there's literally no other option, people who were like, just unsure what physical therapy could even be like, because they're so used to just the generic treatment, the doctor's telling them they need to go on Advil, they need to be bracing for surgery, they need to get injections, and it's terrifying. It's actually terrifying. And there is, there's really no need for it. Sometimes, listen, there's sometimes that people need to go through surgeries. I understand. But you cannot go by, you know, you cannot be fear-mongering. You can't, you can't instill fear into the people who are already fearful. They're already scared. They're already worried about their health. I think all of us are worried about our health. We all want to maintain, we want, all want to be healthy. We all want to be able to move around. We want to, again, we want to socialize, we want to go out without having to worry about, oh, my God, what is, what is happening right now? Right. So when someone already is going to the doctor, PT, OT, who cares, whatever medical professional that someone's going to see, there already is a concern. Instead of building on top of it, we need to disperse it. Mm. Right? And it's just it's so lacking. It's just unbelievable how lacking it is. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. It's a it's a topic that, um, you know, I've covered on this podcast a lot and um, typically with women, especially that. Uh, that get mistreated by doctors, that their, their symptoms, that the, their ailments, all of it kind of gets pushed to the side. And especially people who are new to the healthcare system. And it doesn't matter if you're in America or, or Canada listening to this because, you know, Canada, we don't have to pay for it, but we have long wait times, you know, all those 
different, you know, things that we have to deal with too. That when they're new to the medical system, we're built to trust our doctor. We're, we're, it's inherently, we go to the doctor, the doctor tells us what to do and we do it and we're supposed to get better. That's, that's the way it's supposed to work. But time and time and time again, I've heard, and again, especially from women, their, their concerns and the, like, it's never addressed. It gets pushed to the side or, you know, take Advil or, oh no, that's just something normal. It'll go away. Um, and then it never does. And then they're spent years in the system trying to, to fix it. And, and they're, they're, it's never properly addressed. And, you know, and then it goes right into that mental health aspect where they're frustrated, they're depressed, they're anxious, you know, the pain's still there. They go see their, another doctor and it's pushed to the side, right? And you, they never get an answer. And then that consumes them. It, it's, yeah. it, it's frustrating for me to hear the stories. I can only imagine it's frustrating for you as somebody who, you know, talks to these patients and, and hears their frustration and, and, you know, everything going on with them. It, I don't know. Can that be fixed? C- can we get ahead of that? Yeah. Uh, and that's actually, you know, it's funny. Like you, you mentioned in the beginning, um, I've been kind of on a kind of podcast tour. Mm. Uh, this, this is exactly why, because I wanted to be out there for as many people that can hear it whether you're a medical professional or someone that will, is looking to seek help, I want there to be a higher standard. You know, I think that the, the medical professionals who continue to provide this low standard of care, this kind of dismissal of pain, the dismissal of mental health, the dismissal of actually listening to the person in front of you instead of just treating them as another number uh, and, and number on a paycheck that comes through the door, right? listening to the actual person, human being in front of you, the more that can get addressed and put out into the open, the more people can advocate about it, the more people can speak about it. I think once that standard is raised, once people become aware that this is the option and all those doctors will continue to do this, lose business because of Mm -hmm. it, which I hope they do, there will be a shift. There will be a shift to quality care, right? I pride myself on this quality care right? Will I lose business if that happens more around my area? Sure. I don't care. The point is when someone comes in for help, I want them to get the help they need. Whether you're in New York, in Boston, in Canada, in Spain, Brazil, I don't care where you are. If you're, if you need help, I want you to get the best help possible. Right? I, I want there to be quality. It's just, it's, uh, the more people speak about it, I think the big, that, that'll be the biggest change. And that's why, again, that's why I just really want to talk about these things because mm-hmm. more people know the better people will be able to make a decision. If they go to a doctor and they feel like they're not being heard, go to a different doctor. Don't hesitate. Don't wait for the second appointment. Nothing is going to change, right? If you're going to a PT and you're trying to explain what's going on and that like, you, you just, you, again, you don't feel like you're being heard go to a different PT. If he's giving you the same things that he's giving three other people and he's running from patient to patient within 30 minutes, go find a different PT. Your, your interests are not being served. Once people can see that there's another option, things will start to change, both for the patients as well as the medical professionals helping them. That's, that's a really good point. And I think social media has been kind of really great for that because um, I know – I, I checked out your Instagram and I see you have TikTok and you know, you're, you're doing all these like kind of like tips and tricks and stuff like that. And I know I follow 
a couple other uh, physical therapists as well who who offer these kind of free stretches or or things like that. It, and it's interesting to me that you you kind of choose to do that because, in a way, is that not taking away business that you know people can kind of get what they maybe not necessarily diagnosis, but they're like, oh, I'm having lower back pain. And if you get a couple of your tricks on lower back pain, like, would that not be hurting the money part of your business? Not even a little bit. No? Not even a little Interesting. bit. Um, it, it's, it's fine. I used to think that, that that would be the case. Uh, a few years ago, I, I started to really hone in and listen to, uh, I've been listening to Gary Vee for years, for example, like Gary Vee, D-Rock, all those guys. Um, and a few years ago, I started to actually apply that. And it's true. The, like, the more you give away, right, the, the more people can see the value in what you provide. I don't concern myself. I give, I'll give away all my secrets, all my stretches, all my movements. Right? <laughs> a lot of the things I post are all original. Mm. I combine my dancing and physical therapy into one to provide the best possible movement to release uh, any aches, pains, tightness, whatever you name it. Right. But then when people see that, oh, I just did this stretch for 30 seconds and my pain is a lot better. I wonder what else he has to offer. If this is the stuff that I give away for free, what else can I do for you? That can do a lot. <laughs> um, but that's that's really my mentality is I, I'm not worried that it's going to take. I can't. Like, there's there's so many people that I work with that have come through Instagram. Which is, I love that because I can actually showcase what I can show, like what I can do for people. I've seen messages and comments on my post saying, I've had pain for months. I did this stretch, it went away. Like, that's amazing. Even if you never come into my office, I am so happy to hear that your pain went away and that I was able to contribute to that. Right? That now maybe you can show your friends and family and they can do it if they have pain and that they can get better. Right? To me, I'm not concerned with the money that comes in, right? I'm, I'm the owner of my own practice. I run my own practice, right? The concern for any business should not be about money. If your concern is about money and you're trying to get money as much as possible, you're not going to get it. If you put the best interest of the people who uh, need your service or need whatever you have to offer, the money will come. But only if you, would, if you are there for the people. You cannot be money hungry and, and, and money grabby and expect to get it, right? You, you need to show people what you have to offer. You need to be able to want to help the public, to offer them something, some value, some information, right? The money will come, right? That's, mm. I don't worry about that for one bit, one second. So that's, I mean, I, I, I love it. I love hearing all the feedback from people all over the world that, that I've been able to help. Yeah, it's counterintuitive to what maybe our perception is of, uh, of American business owners sometimes. Uh, I mean, but that's why I love talking to people and, and actually getting the scoop instead of what I just hear, you know, on CNN or I see on Twitter, right? Like you can actually get a firsthand experience about what people are thinking, what people are doing and, and the actual methods behind the madness, quote unquote. Um, okay. I have lower back pain. Now the cult consultation part of the the podcast hey are there things because i think maybe one of the most common things is when you you get a knot in your back or your or your neck is there 
things that we can do on our own to either prevent knots or get them out. And I'll preface it by saying, okay, so I have, uh, I have this little uh, ball that I like to, to roll around on. I have a, um, a couple foam rollers. I bought a TheraDrill at the beginning of this to friggin, you know, get to the bottom of it. And all these things, all they did was bruise my back and did not get the knot out. So now I'm on all the other options of, of, <laughs> of physical therapy and getting needles and dry or cupping and now I'm going to massage. Okay, so are there things that I, people can do to at least get those, those knots out? whether it's stretching, whether it's movements, whatever. Absolutely. Um, and b before we get to what we can do, uh, it's also important to know that the low back, like when you have low back pain, um, you know, actually, for example, let's take a step even further back. Where do you feel your pain? Is it, would you say that it's right on the hips or is it like on, the, on that borderline between like the hips, like the glutes and the actual back? Yeah, it's kind of like right, it's like almost dead center, right between like on the hip from the glutes in the back, right in the middle between the spine and like the other part of the hip. Gotcha. So great. So that's awesome. And now obviously I'm not going to diagnose you because that's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, what people need to know is that low back pain is not just back pain. Low back pain, think of it as like a highway, like a highway in California. You've got four lanes on each side. All of it's like blocked up. All of it's connected, right? Um, there are so many things that go into low back pain. For example, your back itself may be totally fine, but there, is a muscle, there are muscles in your hips, like your glute medius, for example, or your glute maximus, or your piriformis, or whatever. Um, that is just, it's tight. It's, there, there's something in there, right? Based because of how you sit, how you move around, whatever it may be, mm. right? And the second you just release some of these muscles in the hips and you get them functioning properly, your back pain goes away, right? People are so focused on, okay, low back pain, oof, something's going on in my low back. Is it a disc? Is it a this? Is it a, just take a, take a second for a moment, yeah. right? Be aware of the fact that if you wanna address low back pain on your own, which again, I always suggest going to the PT, right? Like to, to be in a proper guided route, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than trying to self-diagnose and self-find things. And but, bruise your back. Sorry? I said, and bruise your back. <laughs> and bruise your back. Um, but yeah, so if we address, like, if you try to go through all the different things, like mobilizing the actual low back itself, kind of like this move that we did with the hands behind the back, right? That is primarily for the back itself with very little involvement uh, in the hips. But if you take that little ball, for example, were you laying down on the floor or against the wall? Against the wall. Okay. So if you go against the wall, instead of rolling on it, what if you just pit, found a tender spot, apply a gentle pressure on it, and just lift your leg up and down? Like, lift, like bend, the, bend the knee and just lift up the knee up and down hmm. and then out to the side right? Instead of rolling on and bruising the tissue and causing pain <laughs> and inflammation, why don't you, it's so much better. And this is why I hate foam rollers, but that's another story. Uh, it's, so, it's so much better, for example, to apply light pressure to a tender spot and go through range of motion. By applying that anchor spot, you're actually manually releasing pressure that a PT would do, for example, right? 
providing manual pressure that releases tension and you go through range of movement and it helps to unload pressure and release mm. tightness so much better than bruising your back and making it so excruciatingly painful for no reason. It's, it's, you know, it's something I knew, but it's not said enough that it resonates with me that, you know, like, like you said, that so many of us have lower back pain or a, a lot of people with the neck pain, like we were talking about and our immediate, our immediate intention is to maybe rub, like we take the Advil or whatever, but rub like rub A535 on, on that, on the spot that hurts. And, and it, again, it goes into that spot where we're, we're not actually addressing the issue of why that spot is hurting. We're just trying to take away the pain. And that's why I think maybe why, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, why sel- it seldom works. Like I've been frigging slapping on um, Voltaren like there's no tomorrow. I've already went through since Monday all, an entire thing and it's done shit. It's done nothing. I hate it, <laughs> you know, but you know, that's probably the reason why I haven't got the right spot. Although I think Voltaren's a sham. I don't think that stuff doesn't work. That's so funny that you say that. Uh, I actually, I worked with a PT when I was doing my clinical rotations for school uh, who like swore by Voltaren and like used it religiously for everybody. Um, but so like even Voltaren though, it's, so Voltaren is an anti-inflammatory as well, right? It's like the safest and anti-inflammatory, whatever. But if you don't, if your issue is not an inflammation issue, right? It just, your tissue isn't moving properly. Voltero, Voltaren is going to do nothing. It's going to be shit. You're going to use the entire tube and it's like, well, what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, <laughs> But that's why like, I'm gonna loop back to what I said earlier, movement is king. If you provide the proper movements to the area, the, the proper mobilization and just healthy moving from the muscle tissue and from the joints and everything like that together, your outcome is gonna be so different. I, um, I was doing a virtual therapy session with this woman uh, a few weeks ago. And I just, I'm using her as an example. There are many, but her in particular, because she's tried everything all the creams all the natural the bengai heating thing the uh, theragun the, the massager the hadville the this the heat the cold nothing mm-hmm. we did two moves two she wasn't able to lift her shoulder with the two moves it went up to here before it was able to get here max not even to 90 degrees with the two moves boom Where where are your pills? Where are yeah. your creams? <laughs> right. So, movement really is such a beautiful thing if done properly. So even for yourself, for your for your lower back pain, and we're gonna I'm, I'm sure we're gonna discuss it after this podcast episode. Um, <laughs> like, we need to try some things to to get your hips moving, to get your back moving. Everything has to be returning back to its stabilized function. Right. When people have low back pain or shoulder pain from, let's say, you know, you hit you hit your shoulder on the floor, you fell, you hit your shoulder on the floor. Right. Or even um, give you the example of Rock, He broke his clavicle. Right. I'm working with him. And mm-hmm. aside from waiting for the clavicle to, to heal, what, what can you do around the area? Right. Most people would say nothing. Just do light ranges of motion. That's it. Whatever. 
but no, we went right into releasing any tension that he had around the neck, in the chest, in the shoulder, and the healing is so much better. By week three, his arm was up here, even with a broken clavicle and no pain. Mm. Right? Hmm. So Fine. it's just about addressing the right things properly. Right. And then you don't have to rely on all these creams. They can help, like not make it worse. Right. But they shouldn't be the things that you rely on to get rid of this thing. What I love about what you're saying is when we think of physical therapy, massage, whatever, right? I don't know how it works in America, but in, in Canada, we typically get like a, a set amount from our employer on, on benefits. Um, so we get a little bit covered by our employer, but then the rest is up to us. But anyway, it, it is more of an expensive service. But when you think about, okay, so you're talking about that girl who tried everything, probably spent $1,000 or more on, on trying to fix herself with no, with no, you know, no uh, what it results. And then in two sessions, which is 200 bucks maybe, it, probably not even that, that she was able to find relief and fix it. But yet we have no problem spending the $1,000 on pills, on creams, on muscle massage guns, on foam rollers, on all these different things, thinking that it will some, I don't know, save us money or, or help, but we won't go and a lot of us won't pay. And especially after our benefits have run out, won't pay for a service that won't actually help. And even further to that, we'll go and drop a hundred dollars on dinner. I mean, maybe a little before COVID, uh, order, you know, a hundred dollars worth of booze for the weekend. Whoa, but a hundred dollars for, for a PT. Ooh, that's expensive. I can't afford that. <laughs> when you when you're in the moment you don't think about it but you know saying it out loud it's like damn we're stupid <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's actually really funny that you that you mentioned that um and, and i'll tell you what i am actually out of network with uh almost all insurances so like if someone wants to come see me um, unless their insurance policy gets reimbursed them for the cost of the appointment i'm uh what you call out of pocket right? Or like a cash only clinic because I refuse to bend, bend the knee to the insurance companies and treat people how they want me to treat them, not how mm. I want to treat them. Right. Um, like the power. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I'm not going to pretend like I'm cheap because I know I'm not. Right. And that's why I also have a hundred percent money back guarantee, which I don't think any doctor has uh, or none, none that I know of personally. And that if, you're not happy with the experience. If you're not happy with the service, you get 100% of your money back. 100% of it, no questions. You shouldn't pay for something that doesn't work, especially at premium price, right? So that I firmly believe in. But it, and, and this is actually something I have to always address with people for the first time. It's, wow, $250 for a session, that's expensive, right? That's really pricey. I don't know if I can do that, right? And it's like, you know, you, you go to dinner, hundred bucks there. You go buy yourself uh, new shoes or a new pair of pants that are not for functional reasons, like a $20 pair of jeans, but they're like $140, you know, and you splurge on that, yet you won't splurge on the investment in your health. Those jeans will wear away. That bag you're going to stop using after nine months, right? Those shoes will like get your health is what's going to have, you're going to keep for the rest of your life. 
right? People will say, oh, that's expensive. I'm going to just wait. I'll shop around a little bit. And three weeks goes by, they still haven't received help. And now that pain has gotten worse. So people, what, what I, the, way I, the way I try to make people see it is, you know, you, you need to really invest in your health. This is, it's a serious investment for a serious solution for a serious problem that if you continue to sit on or you don't get the proper treatment, it's only going to get worse. I've had people who I've spoken to about it and they're like, no, I'm sorry, it's just too expensive. They went to another physical therapy office and then five weeks later, they were coming right back. Mm. Yeah. It happens. It happens. Right. It, it, it's heartbreaking because they just spent five weeks getting a little to no improvement for something that could have been taken care of in three or four or however long it takes, but it'll be taken care of. Right. And they spent more money yeah. you know, going a bunch of times. Of course. Once, two, three times. Money, time, mental effort, mm. just the constant not being sure if your next appointment is going to help you or if it's continuing to be the same. That's also frustrating. That's just, that's also really psychologically draining knowing that you're, you've been in this, like looking back at five weeks and seeing not much has changed. Why, like, is this ever going to go away? And that's another downward spiral that I, I hate to see people go down. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really heartbreaking. And, you know, not to say that, that these people are, are wrong or bad, not to judge a book by its cover, but I don't know if I'm trusting the $50 physical therapist out of his basement you know it could be good but at least first step you're like "Mm," you know you there's the you kind of get what you pay for you know if someone's offering that you know a a premium service for a a good amount of money i'm going to assume they're really good so it's it's good that you offer that money back guarantee to also you know put that kind of that worry that anxiety for people because you know money's tight right now especially now um, yeah, that they have that, that they Absolutely. have that out too. It's that's huge. Yeah, I, I'm a firm believer because I wouldn't want to go for a service and pay for it and then it not working. Like I'd feel like, like holy shit, I just put all this money into this thing which which is supposed to help me, but it didn't. Like I I feel, even though the person tried their best, I internally may feel a little robbed, and I would not want people to feel that way. And and I haven't had anyone request it yet because everything mm. has been so amazing. But the, that option is always there, and it just as a reassurance, you know. And and the the fifty dollar PT in the basement, you know, if you need heart surgery, are you going to be looking for the cheapest heart surgeon? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. You're gonna you, yeah. you'll you know it's gonna be really expensive, but you're gonna f- try to find the best that you can like live on. And not to say that PT can compare to heart surgery, but it's the same thing like you mentioned. You know, it's if. I am free to do what I think is best, right? Not what I need to take off on the insurance and why I need to see four or five people an hour. I see one person an hour. I see mm. 10 people a day tops. Meanwhile, people who accept insurance see four to five times that amount in a day. I'm happy. The people that come in are happy. We address what needs to be addressed physically. We address what needs to be addressed mentally. The assurance is there. The happiness is there. We crack jokes in here. I have time to connect to people that come in to me and, and see me instead of being like, okay, 
15 minutes. All right, stay right here. I'm going to run now. I'm going to put you on this machine that's going to really do nothing. They don't say that, but that's what it does. Nothing. And run to another patient to take them off the machine that did nothing, to go put the other patient back onto the machine that did nothing. And on and on, this cycle goes, and they're in therapy for months. Yeah. It becomes like a money farm, basically. Like, you, yeah. like we were Again, talking like about PT earlier. Yeah. yeah, PT mill. That's all it is. It's kind of how we're all processed at everything, right? Whether it's food, whether it's um, like this, the doctors. I, I, like I said, I, I reference it a lot. You know, we're in different countries, different systems, but there are a lot of similarities in the way people are, are treated as a commodity, as, a, as that number, as that, okay, in and out, 15 minutes, not making money, see ya, push you out the door, next. Um, yeah. To get a, a human connection with it as well, it, that does so much, because then you build trust too, right? Like, if I know you, I'm gonna trust you that you're doing the right thing instead of, you know, the person I, I barely know just, poking at my back and, and and then like I'm gone in in 20 minutes like it's just yeah I, I think it just does wonders for everybody if we could move all of our systems into this kind of, into your way of thinking and and out of the the commodity model and what you mentioned trust is is huge you know earning someone's trust even outside outside of an all like a doctor patient setting getting someone to trust you is so hard it's so hard you know the older we get the more experience we get with people backstabbing us people who uh, we thought we could trust but don't trust trust is very hard to earn but so quick to lose right so when when someone comes in to see me i i try to earn that trust so hard i try to make sure that we establish the connection so hard because if if you're not trusting what I'm doing, if you're not if you're not here for the ride and kind of looking at it from the outside, like oh, I don't know about all this, that it's not going to work. It's just not going to work out. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you go to see a physical therapist or when you go to seek help, like you yourself, Ryan, like I'm sure when you go in, you want to be treated like a human being. You want to have a connection to the person. That's this is intimate, right? Physical therapy is intimate, right? This it, this is a human connection uh unlike surgery for example right surgery i mean you talk with the surgeon before and after but surgery you're out you're you're knocked out you're you're being opened up you're being fixed up whatever you wake up surgeon tells you what's up and out the door you go to the physical therapist um but physical therapy is intimate it's an intimate experience and it needs to be treated that way because this is we're, we're getting you back to you going on that run again Right. And you the plans that you told me in the beginning before we start recording, like I'm sure you want to get back to that. Right. Yeah, yeah it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely it sucks. You know, and, and it's that happened on the second day, you said, right? Yeah. And just tried to tough tough through the pain. I was like, I'm gonna be David Goggins. I'm my mind stronger, man. And yeah, no, no. Then I couldn't walk. I was like, Great. <laughs> yeah. So so that kind of like that that all it needs to I'm sure you want the person that you're seeking help from to really connect with you about that, right? Mm-hmm. To really, for him to tell you, Ryan, I'm going to make sure that you get back to running and lifting and doing whatever it is that you want to do as quick as possible and as safe as possible. Ryan, I got you. I'm going to take care of you, right? And if you have any questions, I want you to ask me them without hesitation. Any and Anything and everything. Even if you think, even if you think it's a stupid question, there's no such thing as a stupid question. 
right? And that's how I talk to the people that come in. I make a joke where, you know, if someone's a little quiet, someone seems like their wall is up, I say, listen, if you, um, if you don't ask me at least five questions by the end of the session, I'm going to be extremely upset. Mm. You know, kind of a bad joke. Like, it's not very funny, but it gets a little chuckle because they're not used to that, mm-hmm. right? They're not used to, I'm going to turn the screen here, seeing these charts up and actually having someone to explain all of that. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah. A lot of doctors have all these fancy schmancy charts of the anatomy, the human body, mostly for decoration. Yeah. I named I it, all of these. I thought it was just to, uh, to read while I'm waiting for the doctor to come in the room. <laughs> right? You think. You yeah. think. No. Here's an anatomy lesson. Because really, like, you need to know what's going on as well. So I literally show you, here's the muscle. Here's the this. Here's the that. Here's what I'm doing. Here's why I'm doing it. Right? And that all, that all cycles back into trust. I want you to know exactly what I'm doing. Because if you know what I'm doing, you understand it. You identify with it and then you trust me because I can explain to you what it is I'm doing. You know how many times I've heard people tell me that when they ask their doctor a question, and this is why people get really hesitant, when they've asked their doctor or another PT a question and, the, and they were just like, just trust me. Um. What the, are you talking about just <laughs> trust me? No, that person just asked you a question. You answer that shit. Like you, you answer every single question. What are you doing? Just trust me. Yeah, that's not sketchy. a thing. Yeah, sketchy. well, it's just like, it's just a superior, superiority complex that's unnecessary. Mm. Obviously, you know more than the person that's coming in to see you. That's why they're coming in to see you. When I go to a mechanic for my car, I don't expect to know the answers. I expect them to tell me what's going on with the car. It's the same thing here. Yeah. People need to feel comfortable to be able to trust the person they're talking to, that they understand what the pain is, that they can explain it to the person why they're going through that that is so important mm-hmm. so, so important yeah man you're doing some great things i wish i was in brooklyn <laughs> come on by. down um the, before i let you go to to making people's lives so wonderfully better did i miss anything that like you want people to know that you know whether it's final words or anything we'll, we'll get to the plugs in a minute but like there's something i missed that you know you just you want people to know to understand uh, to to get off your chest the mic is yours well you know i just i the last thing i want for someone is to feel stuck right to feel like they're out of options where again regardless of where you're from whether you're in brooklyn or in canada or wherever don't feel like you have to be stuck with with your doctor, with your PT, with whoever, right? You, as the person who is seeking care, have the opportunity to shop around, essentially. To, if someone is not satisfying your, your needs, you go elsewhere, right? So really, for the people who are seeking help, don't feel like you're a prisoner to the healthcare system. Find the solution that's best for you. Find the provider that's really best for you. There's no, you sh- don't be scared to find someone else. You've been with a doctor for 10 years, but just because you've been with him for 10 years, you've been unhappy for 10 years, you're just doing whatever he says, find a different doctor. Find a different PT, right? Be, be the one to take that proactive step to, to better your situation, right? So please do not feel stuck. 
take the extra, put, put in the extra elbow grease to find something that works best for you. And for the healthcare providers, step your shit up. <laughs> step your shit up. Connect with people. Treat them like people, not like dollar bills that are walking into your office or through your door. Right? Be there for them. I'm no psychiatrist, psychologist. I'm I'm not that. But it doesn't take those professions to care about the people that come in. So just showing genuine care, just being able to provide as much information to the person as possible, you know, within the perspective, within the respective um, profession, be there for them. Don't just, don't just let it be like, be, be responsible. So that, that's really the two things that I just want to make sure that people know, whether you're a patient, mm -hmm. medical provider, or anything like any business whatsoever, be there for the people, be there for the people that need the service that you provide. Don't think about the money, be there for the people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one thing I've talked about here with a, a few different people, uh, be your own advocate. I think it's just, you know, fight for what you need, what you want. And just like you said, um, don't settle if, you know, exhausts all possible options. This has been really great. Taking a lot from it. I think we, we all are, uh, we're all going to start stretching now for sure. Um, if, people want, <laughs> if people want to follow you on social media, I know you have a great Instagram, TikTok. Uh, where, where can people find you and, and get more info? Uh, so if you're on Instagram, you can find me at uh, the, the at handle is official Danny Shapiro. So that's an Instagram. That's my main platform at the moment, although I'm trying to build up Twitter a little bit and share all the things on, on that community as well. But Instagram is official Danny Shapiro. Um, on my Twitter handle, it's actually at project two underscores PT. Um, and there I'm also sharing a lot of like on Twitter is where I share more of my mentality and how I approach things, mm. uh, positive notes, just things like that. Uh, and of course, if you're interested to see what I am about and, and dive in deeper into like what my practice is, you can always visit me at projectphysicaltherapy.com. Beauty, man. I really appreciate you joining me and uh, sharing this. Um, like I said, I think it, it'll get people thinking at the very least. Uh, and then hopefully, uh, maybe come see you go see a pt and and uh i'm like you i just want people feeling better i want people feeling good physically mentally and like, like we talked about they're both connected so um it's just as a mental health advocate it's huge and i think it's really important so i appreciate it and i appreciate you thank you thank you so much for having me ryan i really i love this this is amazing thank you so much Take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.